This is episode 68. Welcome to the Ultimate Deck Podcast. Ultimate Deck Podcast. Helping you keep your finger firmly pressed on the decking industry, the people in it, and the information you need to master the backyard. And now, and now. host of the Ultimate Deck Podcast, Shane Chapman. Welcome, everybody, to the Ultimate Deck Podcast on this glorious Wednesday for me, Saturday for you. All you beautiful people that tune into us every week, thank you. Uh, today, I am all by my lonesome, but that's okay because I've got a guest dialed in from Washington, Leaf Wharton in from Cascade Fence and Deck. Leaf, how are you doing? Hey, Shane, doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing not so bad, buddy. Did I pronounce your name correctly, both first and last? Close, at least? Close enough. Uh, Leif Wirtanen. Okay, so I think down at Deck Expo, when I believe it was Jace or somebody introduced me, I thought they said it that way. Leif? Is that how you say it? Leif? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Leif. And everybody else kept saying Leif, so then I just well, diverted spelled, back. Yeah, it's called Leif. I go with either or, so it doesn't matter too much at all. Perfect. Well, the Canadian way is Leif then, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that works for me. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so yeah, Washington, you're out of Vancouver, Washington. Is that correct? Or in the that's area? That's correct. Vancouver, Washington. Yeah. Vancouver, Washington. That's where Cascade is located, which is about a 10 minute drive, 15 minute drive from Portland, oh, Oregon. So we're just right across the, we're right across the border and we do a lot of work over in Oregon. So nice. Okay. So how big is Vancouver itself? The decent sized market? Uh, Vancouver, yeah, it's a very large market. I don't know what the numbers are, um, but it's a pretty large city and it's growing super fast. They're doing a lot of improvements downtown. Um, and then the rural areas uh, around Vancouver are also growing. Uh, we have Ridgefield, which is one of the, it is actually the fastest growing city in Washington or maybe the country. I can't remember which one, but wow. very fast growing city. Um, so there's, Lots of growth in our area. And so, then, of course, Portland, Oregon is massive. But. Yeah. Economically, your area is kind of booming right now, safe to say? Yeah, absolutely booming. The last couple of years have been crazy, and we thought it was maybe starting to slow down last year, but we were pleasantly wrong because this year has been, I think, probably one of the busiest years in history. So wow. it's uh, definitely a good time in our market. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of personally life. Are you married? Are you a bachelor? What do you kind of do for fun? Let's get to know life a little bit. Absolutely. So I am 24 years old, still a young buck. I have worked for Cascade for roughly eight years. Lots of that time, well, about half that time in the field uh, as a foreman running deck crews and then half that time in the office, uh, which is where my current role or my current role at the company is general manager. And then, uh, I am married. I have three children. Wow. So got that started off at a quick start. Yep. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I've been at the company for around eight years. And ages of the kids, are, are they close in age? They must be fairly. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're pretty close. Um, I have a four year old, and a two-year-old and a one-year-old. Dude, that's busy. That's so a busy life right there. Yeah. <laughs> Super busy, but it's uh, uh, it's been awesome, of course. 
they keep they keep you on your toes for sure. Yeah. Keep you up at night, but uh, overall, it's a blast. And uh, two boys and my youngest is a daughter, so they're getting to the age where I can actually go out and do stuff with them outside, and that's a kick in the fan. So nice. So is that it for you guys to get real personal? Are you done with kids, or is there more in the future? Oh, I'm sure there will be more in the future. We'll see what it holds. That's kind of the plan. But also, uh, we're a decision maker there, so we'll see things go. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm sure if all goes well, there will be more sometime in the future. But we'll see. We'll see how that goes. You played the math well on that one I to need- have two boys and a girl because I'm in a situation where I've got three boys and. And I think I'd like to be done, but my wife really wants that girl. And so I'm in a bit of a situation right now. <laughs> yeah. And there's no guarantees. Like it's exactly, a shot in the dark. Yeah. And with my track record, it's a, it's four boys, right? So I don't want to take the chance, but we'll see. Yeah. I got to have at least one more so I can get hooked up by a onesie from Jace at Decorators. So is that the, is that a thing? See that. That's a thing. Decorators uh, gives, well, it wasn't a thing when I had three kids, but now <laughs> apparently the new ones. The, the new generations are getting a little, I don't even know what the term is, but I think they're called onesies with decorators logos on them. So, well, I think you should be sending the data onesie. Yeah, that would actually be pretty hot. Yeah, I would like that would kill on social a lot more. Uh, so you're in a big, you're in a big market that's booming right now. Cascade seems to be just from watching from afar on Instagram. Primarily, you guys seem to have a fairly good size operation there. How many crews and staff are you kind of rolling with at any given time? And, um, yeah, in that big market of yours. Yeah. So we've had an interesting history. The cat, the company has been around for 22 years. Um, really the first, I don't know, 18 years or so. Um, were just your classic struggle. And it, we still are struggling, don't get me wrong. Uh, I think social media sometimes can make a company look perfect when I think all companies still struggle. 100%. Um, but the, fir- the first 18 years were just go to work, put your head down to work, go home. Um, no organization, no structure, no vision. It was just we go to work. And then uh, about eight years ago, things well, six to eight years ago, things started to change. Brian Kasky, he is the owner. He always has been the owner. And he decided that he wanted to get organized, wanted to uh, get some structure into the company. And so that's when he uh, started down a, he actually hired a business coach. And the model that we run off of is called EOS, which stands for Entrepreneur Operating System. And just like many business models out there, but there's key components to it and the coach helps you strengthen those components and um, that helped us immensely and uh, so I would say we're we're 22 years old but also um, really about five six years old um, so that's when we kind of restarted restarted as a company what drove that and why, we, why 15 years in did Brian decide that he needed to make a change well I'm sure most people listening to this podcast are business owners or are in some kind of management roles and uh, they've probably experienced the same thing Brian did, beating your head against the wall, dealing with bad employees, dealing with growth, unhappy customers, um, customers calling, wondering when they're going to get scheduled and where, wondering where materials are, uh, where the crew is, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and so I think for him, it was just, it wasn't as fun. Um, it was just chaos every single day. And so, um, this new business model or any business model out there, if you're organized, it 
helps streamline a lot of that stuff. And I've heard you guys talk some about it. Um, and like I said, it's not like things ain't chaotic, but um, at, at least there's a little bit more structure, a little bit more organization and accountability within the organization. Um, so things go uh, much smoother and you can get places a lot faster. So I think I started talking before I answered your original question. We have six crews right now and around, um, it fluctuates, but, uh, 25 to 30 employees, um, kind of seasonal, not really seasonal because we work year round, but we bounce between 25 and 30 employees. And so eight years, seven, eight years ago, you found, you decided to go down this path. You like with an operation your size, you were, you absolutely have to be organized in some capacity when you're operating six crews and whatnot. And I think that's where people get in trouble is they start off small when it's just themselves and it's easy to do it all in your head at that point. And all of a sudden you turn around, flip the light on one day and you're like, Whoa, hold on a second here. I've got 20 people working for me and, and 10 customer projects on the go in any given time. And I just like, it can't all be in my head anymore. I think we're experiencing that a little bit right now ourselves. So what, what specifically did you guys start to implement to help you manage that type of stuff? Were there some tools like project management tools that you're doing or what, what were the things that you used to get organized? That's a great question. So really when you break open a business, um, there's six key components. I won't spend tons of time on this, but, there's six key components, the vision, the people, the data, um, issues and being able to solve them, and then processes for everything. And then the last sixth component, traction, just making sure that you're actually making ground and not just spinning in the mud. And so the first thing we did as a company is figure out that first component, and that's the vision. Where does the company want to go? Or where are we at right now? And where do we see ourselves you know, 10, 15 years down the road? And once you, once we were able to get that vision, um, so right now we have uh, four targets, and then we have a three-year plan, a one-year plan, and then we break that down to a quarter plan. So the vision now is clear. Every single employee that works at this company knows exactly. Oh, hold on. I think I lost you here, Leif. Um, just one second here. There we go. That sounds like a good, Are you there? good noise. I am here. Sorry, I had, a call, I had a call come in. For some reason, it disconnected you from my Bluetooth here. So anyway, sorry to interrupt you, but continue. Yeah, so I'm not sure where I left off. But yeah, once we got the vision started, the analogy I like to give with the vision is if you have 25 people, that's the size of our company, in a boat, and you're all trying to row across the lake, if everyone knows exactly where we're trying to get on the shore over there, um, you're going to be able to row in that direction much faster. If some people are rowing backwards or sideways or anything like that, things just go a little slower. So once we got the vision figured out, that was, uh, that changed the, changed the company a lot. Um, and all the people working in the company were kind of like, aha, if I keep working here, this is where I can be. And they see growth and, uh, there's hope and potential there. Right. Um, so that was the first step. And then the second step, in my opinion, is the most important part is figuring out what type of people you want working at your company, um, what type of people you need to actually hit your goals. And um, what we've found is there's some people that, although they're a great individual in your company, they might be a form of cancer and it's much easier just to get rid of them um, or and just move on. And so it took us 
I would say like eight years ago when we realized what type of people and what our core values were at the company, um, it took us a few years to slowly get all of the right people in the door. And, um, and then now hiring is based around that so that we don't have to, uh, uh, deal with so much, I guess, turnover or whatever you might call that. So how are you hiring um, differently to make sure that you're attracting the right people? So, um, we do hiring a little interesting around here, actually. It's probably not the most, um, HR friendly way. I don't know. Um, but basically we, um, it's a pretty quick phone call with the customer, with, with the person just to make sure that, um, they can actually breathe and they can't fog up a window. Um, and they have a driving record and they, uh, can pass a drug test. Um, once we, uh, and then it's a short phone interview on that point. Um, but then once they come in, my main goal is to figure out, I don't care how much experience they have. They don't have to have any deck building experience. Uh, my main goal is to figure out if they have the nature that we want at this company, because it's, it's easy to train tasks, but it's impossible to train natures. Um, so I'm just trying to look for, you know, those, those good people like that. Um, so we have different questions and demonstrations we can go through with them to kind of are the people we want. Right. Okay. I'll explain to them, I'll explain them what type of people we want. Um, and basically just be super straight up with them. And, uh, it's so far it's worked pretty good for us. Lots of our, or lots of our hiring is comes from Craigslist and or referrals from other employees. Sorry, Leif, I've lost you again here. I don't know what's going on here with my phone today, but somehow I've lost you again here. Uh, do you want to give me a phone call back on the, on your, the phone number? We'll try that. Thanks. Sorry, folks. I'm not sure why, but I get I'm getting phone calls coming through my phone, which shouldn't be happening, and it's disconnecting our uh, our audio. He's still talking on the phone, but it's not coming through our audio setup here. So, unfortunately, we have another hiccup to deal with. So, he'll give us a phone call back here briefly. But uh, some great information that he's left us with already. Uh, I think that our business is also experiencing the same thing right now in the finding the right people and hiring differently, and uh, not necessarily bringing people in that have all the experience that we'd hope some of you would have, but finding the right person that you can teach the experience to or get the experience to after the fact, but, um, super important inf- information that he's sharing with us right now. So you're back here, Leaf. Yep. Okay. Let's try this so that nobody can actually call through now. And, uh, hopefully this goes a little bit smoother. This has never happened before. having having the guy get disconnected. So, no, we're, so sorry, no we're going to have to start back again. So I don't know what, where did do you remember where I got cut off? Um, you were, no, you were just kind of talking about the hiring process and, and not necessarily looking for people that are experienced necessarily. You can teach that, but just finding the right personalities basically. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, a few years ago we recognized that the labor shortage was going to be an issue coming up and from the industry, just industry talking at the deck expo and stuff, it appears that most deck builders, their biggest struggle is finding good people. Um, and one of the things that we did is we just created the training training program so that we could take that good natured person in. Um, maybe they were a waiter before or something like that. And uh, as long as they have a good nature, we can train them in 
Um, and that was a much faster and easier route than trying to find people that had experience and the nature. Um, so that's kind of the tactic we have been using. And it's been great. I would say everyone on our crew, not everyone, but most of the people on our crew, uh, they didn't have prior experience. But with our training program, we've been able to expedite that. And um, like now everyone on our crew knows exactly how to build a deck. So it makes things pretty easy. Yeah, that's awesome. We I was just mentioning while I was trying to get reconnected with you that we've... Um, we've started to do that ourselves here with our hiring this year because we've got a lot of changes happening this year and uh, Wade and myself are trying to get away from being in the day-to-day business so much and trying to put the people in place that'll allow us to focus on the business as opposed to working on that day-to-day stuff. And we always thought if we looked, if you talked to the Wade and Shane of two or three years ago, we always thought if we were going to hire people to work in our business, they would have to be exactly like us. They would have had to have built decks for years, you know, have a passion for the industry um, you know, be ready to be done with building, but want to do this. And it's just like, you can't find, you can't find a bunch of those people around. <laughs> so we eventually yeah. make peace of the fact that we're going to have to hire some people that maybe don't have all the experience we want, but that are the right type of people. And I, I'll tell you, like, we've only had a few of these people in the, in the system now for a couple of weeks, two, three weeks, four weeks. Um, but I'm already confident that that's going to, I'm already a okay with the fact that they haven't built a thousand decks before because they're just the right oh, people absolutely. that are willing to jump in and learn and, and they're enthusiastic and, and they've got experience in other ways, not necessarily swinging the hammer, but experience in other ways that are going to help the business. So. Yeah, totally. The good tech builders are the good people that have all the experience you want. They're probably all stars at the companies they're working for. Exactly. And so the chances of them leaving are not necessarily too high. Yeah, exactly. Unless you con them in, which is not recommended. So. Yeah. And the other thing is with our, like in our market here, because it's a fairly short, um, season, there's not a ton of companies that even focus specifically on decks all year round. So there's the, there's a few of them. Um, but your selection of guys who have a whole bunch of experience building complicated decks is fairly small in this market because, yeah, totally. because it's mostly guys that are kind of doing general renovation type stuff that knock off a deck here and there. So, um, you're not going to get somebody who's super experienced anyway, but, um, so I just want to roll back a little bit. You joined Cascade, you said about eight years ago, I think it was, how did that happen? How did, cause you would have been fairly young at that point. Was there a relationship there that kind of, um, allowed that to happen or how did you end up there? Yeah, so I actually had a buddy that worked for Cascade in the field, and um, I was still in school, but I went to college my senior year, um, so I didn't have to, and it was only two days a week in the evening. So I was able to work 40 hours a week full-time, and so I just started that Cascade just as an installer, and it was going to be just a job while I was in school. That was flexible around the schedule. And I quickly realized within short order that uh, it was a different kind of company. And uh, Brian is a very unselfish guy. And he makes sure that his employees are happy because his famous quote is happy employees equal happy customer. And so um, I, I realized right away that although it's just a quote unquote fence and deck company, it can very much be a career. And um, so that's kind of how I started with it and he's made it hard to leave. So what was that when you were hired, had he already switched into this whole EOS system thing or were you, were you kind of getting brought into the old way? No, I was in the old ways for, um, quite a while at first and, 
I mean, I, I remember those days. It's we actually just had a company meeting, and I uh, was kind of explaining to some of the people what it used to be like, and how much things have changed in the last six ish years. Um, and so I've been able to see what it used to be and what it is now. And man, it's been a it's been a really awesome ride. To I feel like it was a college in itself just to go through all that and see what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. And especially to get that kind of, see that kind of like shift in a company at such a young age when you first kind of started, cause you were what, you were probably 16 or 17 years old when you started there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So to, to get to see kind of what wasn't working and then, and then watch it all unfold and now to kind of see that it like, Hey, this whole thing we bought into a few years ago is working. So who now? Yeah. I think when I, when I first started, it was, uh, the turnover was pretty insane. We always, I mean, there's always new guys coming in and new guys leaving. And, uh, now our turnover is pretty much nothing. Like, like we, the only time people turn over really is if it was our choice or if they're moving to a different state or something. So, right. Yeah. That's pretty incredible. So who now is in charge of all of this, um, systems implementation and processes and training and all this stuff that you guys are sharing a little bit of on social media now is that, and what's kind of running your business. Is that Brian leading that or is that you, or is there a team kind of focused on this or how is this happening? So we, we have a leadership team. Um, it's my primary responsibility, but we have, there's four people on our leadership team. Brian is the visionary and he takes care of finance. Um, I'm the general manager. And then I, the main department I work on is sales. Um, but then also on the operations part. Um, but with operations, we have the other two people on our leadership team, Corey Wantia and Louis Lipka. Um, Corey is more the office operations, so all the materialists, engineering, all that. And Louis is just the field operations. Um, so that's, I would say, I mean, we all, we're all very much on the same page. So it's really easy to take our vision and, um, each of us have our own little part in it, um, but so it's a it's definitely a team effort. It's not just one person. But and what is this? But like all the so, all the social media stuff is uh, like all of our Instagram. Yeah. Me, Corey, and Louie are actually all on the account. We don't have one person that does it. Okay. Louie is the primary one. He's more the face that you guys see on Instagram. Yeah, um, and he spearheads a lot of that. What is this little uh, leadership team? How do you guys stay on the same page and, and how do you lay out your goals? Are you guys meeting kind of weekly or every so often to kind of say, Hey, provide feedback from your different areas of the business and, and set out new goals. Are you meeting like scheduled or how does that look? Yeah. So it's uh, every year we meet and we set up the new, we relook at our core target and realign our three year and our one year plan the with that target so like for example in january we met and we realigned the 2020 goals with our core target just because things can shift and then uh, every quarter we meet and it's usually an all-day meeting and we go over everything and then just kind of set the next stage and then uh, we also meet every monday at night or every monday at 8 30 a.m and it's usually about a two-hour meeting and um in that meeting, um, we all have our own measurables. Um, so, for example, with sales, um, it's what did we sell last week, um, and where all the bids good, all of that. So we have measurables for each department, 
So at the beginning of the meeting, we just take a very quick pulse on each department. How did everything go last week? Did any issues come up? If so, what were they? And we can just kind of go from there. Awesome. Good. And so one of the major things that you guys have done recently that plays into this topic a little bit is you've released your deck manual that you, I'm sure, spent a ton of time putting together for your own benefit, but you've made it available to anyone to purchase now for a ridiculously reasonable price of $100 to get this manual. What? Um, tell me a bit about it. I've, I've glanced through it a bit. I haven't read the whole thing yet, but I've kind of looked through it and it's very detailed. Like it's there's, it leaves little to interpretation for your guys, which I think is very important when you're trying to communicate a consistent process to people. But what was behind this and how is it working for you so far? Yeah, so we've actually, the deck manual is just a small portion of what we worked on. Um, really what it came down to is um, when you look at a lot of big corporations out there, McDonald's and Starbucks and things like that, um, they're all franchise companies and basically they had a model. They made it as simple as possible so that it was easy to scale. And so for us, even though we don't necessarily want to scale, if we can build our current system, pretending that we are going to scale it and have 500 locations, um, then it really changes our mindset and forces us to make everything in our company really scalable. So if we just focus on the crews and whatnot, um, our biggest issue and what we've seen a while back was that labor shortage and training and experience was going to be hard to come by. So um, we built the deck manual as one of our tools to help guide our training process. And so the way we use it currently is um, that manual is basically used as an agenda. And every single week on Thursday morning, Louis runs a training and he takes a piece of that manual so even though the guys may already know how to build a deck um, or a portion of the deck, he meets with them. They take a piece of that manual. They go through it and they do a live demonstration in the shop. Maybe they build a small deck or they do some stairs, stringers, or whatever the section is. And it just re- it helps kind of reset all the crews so that they're always doing things the exact same way. Um, and like if you think of Starbucks, if you go to Starbucks and I'm sure there's one in where you're at up there in Canada. Yep. Um, if there's a Starbucks there and there's a Starbucks in Portland, you ask them for a drink, they're going to make that drink the exact same way. And their training in both stores is probably very similar. So is he so doing we just this more or less copy that model? Is he doing this with like even employees that have been there for eight or 10 years? He's doing the same thing with them every Thursday? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, that's interesting. So. It, it gets it, obviously it gets repetitive for someone that's worked here for a long time. Um, but if we have new people coming on board, it helps to refresh. And there's some topics that you don't have to keep talking about. Um, and that can be evident in the work that the guys are putting out. We do inspections and whatnot. So for example, if ledgers, if they're nailing ledgers every single or if they're doing ledgers very well every single time, then maybe we're not going to keep training on ledgers. Right. Um, but then after a year when we have some new hires, then maybe we would re redo that section, I guess. But, There's a saying so, out there that this conversation has reminded me of this whole, like you're training everybody every week, even though they don't like, they already think they know it through and through and you're, you're still training them. There's a saying and I, it's from some athlete, I believe, but it's, um, something to the effect of don't, 
practice until you can make the shot practice until you can't miss. And yeah, hundred percent. this sounds very much like that, right? These guys know how to do this, but you're just in kind of ingraining and drilling into them so much that they don't even have to think about it when they're out there actually doing it. It's just, that's just ingrained in the back of their memory. It's really cool. Yeah, totally. And so with this deck manual, um, so the deck manual is the agenda that's for the training. And then we also created videos. Um, we're not all the way done producing all the videos, but, um, the next step is to make a video for every single section. And so the crew would have an app on their phone or YouTube even. And if they have a question on the job site about stairs or something like that, they can always look at that video and have the deck manual in front of them. So it's just it's a no brainer. It's like you're saying, it's pretty hard to miss that shot when you have those two tools there. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really, really cool. Uh, I noticed but, in the in the deck manual, as I glanced through it there, you guys have a section about joists and how to deal with high or low joists and the, the idea of planing them down. I just wanted to bring to your attention that Lawrence Winterburn in a Facebook group said anybody who planes their joists down is a hack. How does that make you feel? <laughs> uh, we hear that a lot. Um, one of the things that we do, though, um, because that it does, it makes a lot of sense, and I understand uh, the thought process behind the hack. Yeah. <laughs> um, but one thing people don't one thing people don't realize is the pressure treated wood that we get um, is different than southern yellow pine and some of the other stuff people get. Right. Um, the the pressure treated we get the the treatment doesn't go all the way through. Yeah. So even if you don't plane the top of your deck, there's only about a sixteenth inch of treatment there. So a screw is going to sink right through that and water can get through anyway. That's right. So for us, we, what we've found is, uh, every single deck we do, it's just standard to put G tape down. Yeah. So even though we're taking off that top layer of treatment, um, we retreat it and then we put the G tape back down. Yeah. And I think so his, his point was like, he kind of made it, I mean, he was getting beat up on it a little bit. He had other guys saying like, we plan our joy. So I'm not a hack, like <laughs> pound sand. Yeah. but he was saying like a lot of people will do that and then not treat it. And I don't know that a lot of people actually don't treat it afterwards, but G tape is obviously becoming a big thing and, and, um, probably more effective than that skinny little layer of treatment that's soaked into the board anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Um, is there a project that You've been there for seven or eight years. Is there a project that sticks out in your mind that you were extra proud of, either when you were on the tools or, you know, just that the team really rallied around and say like, boy, that was, that was pretty impressive. We pulled it off the way we did. Um, so, well, really in the last couple of years is when, um, I would say our deck game has really ramped up. Um, like right now, decks is a, we have five crews doing decks and one crew doing fence. And it used to be the other way around where we did, mostly fence, fence jobs and a lot less decks. Um, so in 2019, we did, um, I think it was around right around 400 jobs and 110 of those were decks and the rest were fences. And uh, so we do lots of decks. Most of them are not um, like these massive elaborate things with curves and all of that. Um, but we do do decks, quite a few decks that are above the $100,000 range. And they're not necessarily just, like I was saying, they're not just curved out and tricked out. They're just on a big scale with a lot of custom features on it. Right. Um, we're actually working on one right now that is, uh, it's a really large deck and it just has a lot of features, the waterproofing and the lights and soffits and spiral staircase, outdoor kitchen, 
you know, lots of that stuff. I would say that's going to be the one we're working on now is probably going to be my, one of my favorite ones we've ever did. Awesome. That's good. When like, it's, it's nice when you, when you, um, what you're currently working on or what's coming up, get you excited as opposed to looking back and be like, ah, I wish we could get more jobs like that one I did five years ago. Cause you hear that from so many guys that say like, boy, I did this one deck one time and it was so fun because there were, I had some creative, creative license behind it and there was a budget and I just can't seem to find those kinds of jobs. So it's nice to know that, yeah, to hear that you're able to kind of like take pride in the stuff you're currently doing too, not just kind of a one-off situation. Yeah. And I would say the, like the thing that's made me the most proud with our crews is, um, hasn't really been the fanciness of the jobs, but one of the things we really worked on was um, the efficiency. And before every single job goes out, Louie does a job budget. So he figures out what is the material going to be on this job and how many labor hours are there going to be? And are we going to make money? And so he, he has a really uh, simple budget sheet that he can plug everything in and he can get how many hours it's going to take and what the material is going to cost. And then he gives that to the guys. And so one of the things that's been where I'm proud of is the fact that in the last couple of years, especially the last year, the guys have just been hitting those budgeted hours out of the park. And it, it really, it sets themselves up with a goal to hit. And when they get rewarded from it, then they can uh, totally see the benefit of keeping on doing that. Um, but with the qual or with the efficiency going up and with, us beating job hours. Um, one of the other things we track is callbacks because we don't want people to hurry and then be axed. Right. And so we track that very, very closely on a weekly basis and our callbacks are at an all time low, which has been awesome. And that's why you may have seen a year ago, we outfitted 20 something guys with brand new diamondback tool belts. Um, that was part of, we had set a goal for the guys and we said, Hey, if you guys can get under this many callbacks, um, in a quarter, we're going to buy everyone bags. Um, and so those, I would say that's the thing I'm most proud of just the fact that we've been able to hit the budgeted hours, call back, callbacks are at an all time low and almost every single job we get a positive review on Google. So that's been pretty awesome to see. The diamondback tool belt thing is cool. And, and I, I believe I do remember you posting about that. And so that leads into the culture question that we t you touched on a little bit earlier too, but you guys seem to do some really unique things around culture. I was looking at your Instagram feed prior to uh, getting on this call here. And I noticed that if you look back far enough, there's enough pictures on there that aren't just the day-to-day -day building decks. There's a lot of team building slash activity type stuff um, and just people having fun on your Instagram as well. What, who's driving that and, and why is that so accepted where you are? Cause I know a lot of companies would shy away from that thinking time is money kind of thing, but tell me a bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that, and that ties in exactly to Brian's whole philosophy. Um, Brian drives that 100%. He does not want to own a company and grow this company. If our culture is going to be not very good and bitter. And so, um, like I was saying, his unselfishness, one example, um, that speaks volumes, I would say, is uh, he has all, or he used to always drive. He had a 2006 GMC Sierra that had 240,000 miles on it, <laughs> and it spent just about as much time at the repair shop as it did him driving. And we'd always tell him, get a new truck, get a new truck. And he said he's not going to get a new truck until all the crews have new trucks and the management has new trucks. 
That's and awesome. so I was driving a brand new GMC Sierra and he was driving a 2006 with 240,000 miles on it. <laughs> That's an example of his own selfishness. And so for him to buy everybody lift tickets to the ski resort or to spend that much money on Diamondback tool belts, he can see the results that a good culture brings. Yep. It's making him money. He wouldn't do it otherwise. And, uh, it's evident to the whole, the whole company knows our numbers. I mean, we go, we go through what we did, what our profit, every month we do a company meeting and the whole company hears how much revenue did we do? How much profit are we bringing in? All of that. So when the guys can see the fruit from that, um, it's encouraging to them. It's, it's t- not just, it's all going into the owner's pocket. Yeah. It's a tough thing to get employees to care about the business as much as the owners do, because they just don't have the the passion and the invest, you know, the vested interest in it to want to care that much. But it sounds like you guys have really kind of nailed it out of the park to getting as close to that as possible where the employees really do care. And it's because of the things you're yeah. doing. I hope people are listening aren't because you just, it's not about just finding the right people. It's also about treating them and making them feel like they're, part of it that they're, you know, that they're, yeah, as if, you, as you, if you truly, yeah, if you truly care about them, they're going to feel that. And you can't, you can't buy someone, uh, you can't buy culture. Um, like for us, like, I don't, I don't think there's a company out there that if they have a bad culture, they can't go out and buy a diamondback tool belt. And then boom, next day the culture is amazing. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just part of it. And then the other thing we do is we meet one-on-one with every employee um, the manager will meet with them one-on-one at a local coffee shop every single quarter and just fill them out. How are things going? What's working and not working? It's not even a performance review. It's just simply, what do you love about working at Cascade and what's been bugging you? What do you not like? Is yeah. it the traffic? Is it the hours? Anything like that. And when they see us actually making improvements, um, I think that's also a huge tie into the whole culture. Big time. Yep. You mentioned... Well, reviews you get a lot of good positive reviews i poked around a little bit on this and turns out you weren't lying you guys have a ton of very positive reviews i think google reviews you're nearing 200 reviews with an average of 4.9 stars angie's list you're at five stars and just what 200 reviews as well facebook a little bit lower but completely five star reviews yelp big time reviews what how are you getting there because i think a lot of people talk about this all the time and they think like people always talk about it being so helpful to have those good reviews and they struggle to get their customers to actually leave them. Their customer will write them a note and they're so happy and they're so pumped and they'll tell them that, but to get them to actually go leave the review seems to be a struggle. Is there something you guys are doing that's helping that along? Yes, we do a lot in uh, regards to reviews and for anyone listening, if you want to know a little secret, um, if you have a lot of Google reviews, you are going to get a lot of phone calls for leads. Um, for us, leads are not one bit of an issue. And everyone we talk to say says it's because of their reviews. And it kind of puts you on a different pedestal almost. Um, it doesn't necessarily take you out of the competition. Um, we still have to you know, have fair prices and sell, but it really helps. And so what we do, um, I mean, there's a lot of ways that we help with reviews, but um, I think the reason that we get a lot of reviews is um, we thought about it and we were saying, what what can we do to make sure that we provide the best experience possible for this customer? And we want to be able to be the best contractor that they have ever hired. 
And so if you look at the common pain points customers have, it's timeliness and attitudes, uh, professionalism, clear communication, things like that. Um, so we just kind of broke that down and figured out what we're, what can we do to really hit it out of the park? And, um, and then from there, it made it a little easier to kind of put light into what we had to do. And just a small example is we have a for, what we call a foreman process. And so every single foreman does the exact same thing every single day. It's just a simple page, um, similar to not the deck manual, but take a page of the deck manual. It's just a step-by-step. Here's what you need to do on a daily basis. And so when they arrive at the job, um, they text on the way there, hey, we're going to be there X, Y, Z time. Um, when they show up, they're professional. They're wearing a uniform. They all wear the exact same uniform, no pants down to the ankles and not smoking a cigarette, anything like that. Um, knock on the door, introduce themselves, um, and then just ask them, hey, do you mind if I walk around your project, show you what we've been having planned, address any issues or questions you may have, et cetera. Um, so they do that, and instantly the customer starts to get really comfortable with the crew because they can see that this crew and this company has their back. They're not just here to blast something up and go. Um, so then partway through the day, we always give, an up, give them an update. Many of our homeowners at, are at work, so we'll send them a text message, hey, here's a picture of the progress, things are going great, or uh, we hit a pipe here, but we're going to address that tomorrow morning or whatever it might be. Um, and then when the job is done, they do a job walk with the customer. So this is when they actually beg the customer like, hey, if you have any feedback or if you see anything that you don't like, please, please, please let us know because we truly want to fix it. Don't be shy. And a lot of people will kind of put their guard down and say, okay, I don't really like this dirty board or whatever it is. And we just fix it right then and there. Um, and then at the very end of the project, we, uh, or the foreman has a scripted email um, that just asks, it has review links and it just says, hey, um, hope you love the project, blah, blah, blah. Here's some links leave us a review. And if we provided them a good experience all the way through, that is pretty easy to get. Um, at least for us, it seems like it has been. So you're just providing like, like I don't want to oversimplify it, but just knock it out of the park the whole way through. And then at the end of it, if you ask for a review and make it simple for them to, to leave it, they'll just do it. Ab- this is the moral of the yep, story. Ab- absolutely. And so like, the biggest help I would say is if you're a, um, a and J deck builders and you want to get good reviews, just really think about it or ask your customers, what is my pain point? What am I kind of messing up on or what's clunky? Maybe it's the scheduling. Maybe it's getting materials in time. Uh, whatever it is behind the scenes, usually that's going to somehow impact the customer and the customer's experience. So think of where your pain points are or your weak points. And fix those first because that's all the behind the scenes stuff, the ordering of materials and not scratched materials, all of that. That's going to play a part in the end to that review and their experience. So fix those pain points and then increase your uh, service. So, yeah, like you're saying, just knock it out of the park. And um, yeah, for us, that's, that's been our recipe and it's worked really, really well. That's yeah, that's amazing input. Do you find that 
Google or any one of those review sites is more effective at pulling solid leads from than others? Yeah. So um, last year we didn't advertise at all. I think our advertising budget was strictly swag or gear, um, clothing. Um, We didn't have any advertising sites. Um, This year we do, we are doing a little bit of advertising on Yelp and a little bit of advertising on Andy's list, just barely. Um, I would say Google hands down is where we get most of our customers in that review or in those reviews. Um, Yelp would be the second best. Yelp is where we get a lot of our work from. And I know talking to some contractors that they hate Yelp, but um, from our standpoint, we have good reviews on there and we get a lot of work from it. So awesome. Any other tips? And also I would say, I would say with reviews, if we're providing them an insane experience, the chance of that customer referring you to some of their friends and family is really, really high. 10 out of 10. So throughout the years, throughout the years, we've tracked the referral and repeat customers. And I mean, they double every single year, the amount that we get. So it's kind of a byproduct that good service and reviews is you get a lot more repeat and referral work, which is better than any, any lead out there in our opinion. So, yeah, it's all like, it's all super simple and obvious stuff that you're saying. Like, of course, provide a great experience. Of course, do all these things. Of course, make it easy for the customer. It's so hard for guys to get their heads out of uh, the day-to-day work to actually focus on executing this kind of stuff, though. It's easy, right? If you just sit down and spend some time thinking about it, it's easy. It's the... it's the Yeah, and, you, and like you're saying, and like you're saying, you do need the help. And so six years ago, yeah. or whenever that was, uh, Brian was wearing a lot of the hats. So he couldn't do all of these positions exactly. really efficiently and effectively. And so when he put the right people in the right places, um, now it's, and then track that it's, it's on Lafe to make sure that happens or it's on Louie or it's on Corey or it's on this foreman. Um, the foreman, they have their own scorecard and we meet with the foreman weekly as well. Yep. And so when you go to that weekly meeting, they have a scorecard that shows how many reviews did they bring in, how many callbacks did they have all of this stuff. So it's, uh, make sure everyone is really accountable for their own, piece of the pie, I guess. Right. Uh, you guys seem yeah. to be like, you've got a, a thing with decorators now. So you are a decorator. What do they call it? Decorators pro or whatever they're calling the program now. Um, yep. You seem to be using it almost exclusively. Is that right? Yeah. So that's the only product we use. Um, okay. We've used uh, other products in the past. Decorators has just been one that we've found um, to have great success with. Um, this year I'm really excited because we're going to start using their railing also. Okay. Um, they've, they've made their railing pretty much impossible not to use <laughs> with the pre-welded systems and all that. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to do that. We, uh, our customers absolutely love their product. I feel like it really helps us sell, um, and not to knock any of the other brands. I mean, Timber Tech and Trex and a lot of them, they are phenomenal brands. I have nothing against them. And there's a good chance we'll use them at some point, but um, yeah, decorators we've just had tremendous luck with, and our customers have absolutely loved it. So, do you find many customers now asking for other products, or are they basically taking your work, like your lead on it, and you're showing them decorators so they choose from that? Or do you get many people who are like, "No, I want Trek Spice Drum," and then you'll still do that, will you? Or do you kind of guide them towards a, a similar color in decorators? I think out of all of the, we run about, our estimators run about 40 appointments a week, 40 new estimates a week. Yeah. And I think 
in the last four years, I think I've had one request where they wanted a certain color of a certain brand. Um, the rest of them, they, and we, we did it. Um, like we can't do decorate or we can't sell others. Yeah. Um, but what we've found is that most people, they're going to come in and they're going to say, I want the tracks stuff, yep. meaning a maintenance free deck board. Exactly. And so we just say, you bet we install decorators. Um, here's their product. It's a great product. We've installed it for many years and, um, they usually don't have a problem picking the colors. Yep. Um, they have great options. So sure. Of those 40 that you're doing a week, what's your close rate? So that's increased dramatically. Our close rate right now is averaging 33%, I think it is. We track that weekly also. Um, it has not always been that good. It's, yeah. uh, we used to average 22%, um, but we've done a lot of work on the sales team. Um, and same thing with the crews. We do weekly training. We have our own sales process and kind of like the deck manual, but for sales. Yep. And, uh, so we hit that hard every single week and, uh, we've seen great results with, with sales in the last six months and, uh, our close rates skyrocketed and we're, it's pretty stretching, but our goal is to average a 40 to 50% close rate. That's amazing. Um, yeah, I don't know how familiar people are with close rates. They might think like, Oh, you only win a third. It's like, that's a high close rate, especially on, on, you know, an operation such as yours. It's a, that's a, that's a more custom, more detailed, you know, higher, higher end finish kind of thing for you to be closing a third of your jobs is pretty amazing. Um, yeah. We've, uh, our, the sales is, I would say is a pain point for a lot of companies. And, um, we've spent years and years, trying to hone it in. And I would say right now it's not perfect, but we have a super, super good system for it and some great tools built for it. So, um, all of our sales reps go out and they do the same thing on every single appointment. And, uh, that way we can see what's working and not working and we can just kind of keep fine tuning as we go. So are you delivering that estimate back in person or is it through email? Um, that's the goal. The goal is to do it in person. Um, sometimes it has to be through email, but when we deliver it through email, we do a video screen record, Beautiful. not just a typed out message. Yep. So it's a video screen record that, or it's, uh, recording the screen and we go through the rendering that we've created. We do a rendering for every single deck we do. And, uh, so it shows what the rendering is and explains each aspect. It explains the quote in great detail. Um, hopefully eliminates any question the customer might have. I know people are going to be wondering if you charge for your renders. <laughs> we don't yet. Um, it's something that we have heavily contemplated. Um, I would say we're probably looking to change that in the next year. We don't know exactly how that's going to look. Either we'll charge for estimates or charge for the rendering. We're not sure. Yeah. Um, honestly, right now it's helped our close rate. So to us, that's, a good return, yep. but the charging, there's definitely good psychology behind that. So we're, we're, we're looking hard at it. What program are you and using? If anyone has, if anyone has success with it, I would love to. They're for sure. Handles they're for sure guys are. Deck, so hit us up. Yeah, they're for sure guys are. It seems like anybody who's made that leap to charging for their estimates or their onsite consultations or their renders or whatever, it seems like they, they all have nothing but great things to say after they start doing that. So, 
Uh, yeah, it's, obviously it's, just, good it's, a scary, it's a scary leap, and <laughs> hopefully we can make it sometime. But. That's right, yeah. Uh, what program do you guys and use for we're your using, Is it something more simple? Yeah, yeah we use real-time landscape right now. Yeah, that seems to be the go-to for a lot of guys. Yep. Yeah, we're building a software, or we're working with a software company right now to build a uh, quoting system, and with that, there's a potential chance that we'll be switching to SketchUp due to some uh, easier options with our software company. Right. Not 100% sure, but yeah, real time is what we use right now. Awesome. Okay, man. Well, I think like for anybody who's listening and isn't following you guys already, you definitely should be because you guys have this thing figured out. And I know there's a lot of guys sitting back wondering how to scale. I just talked to one guy, I won't mention names, the other day, and he was uh, last night actually, and he was super worried about hiring his first, like his first full-time employee. He's like, he's pretty stressed out about it. Do you want, and it's just the, the fear of, of somebody else relying on you for their well being, their living. And so he's like, what if I can't yeah, enough totally. work to keep them going? And it's like, that first one's always a tricky one. And so you guys are speaking the gospel of how you make this thing work and scale. And I know back into the middle of our conversation around the systems and like treat your business, like plan to scale, even if you aren't planning to scale. I know that I just recently yeah. read a book called the E-Myth. That's very much around that. They call it the franchise model. Same idea. That's where we got all of our stuff. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah, plan to franchise, even if you have no plans to franchise, because it forces you into that mindset of making sure that everything you do needs to be documented for anybody to be able to pick up and do themselves. And so yeah, it's just, it's ingenious. It's, you listen to it and you're like, of course, of course, but until you actually do it. Yeah. And I, and it would have been awesome. It would have been sweet to have uh, Corey and Louie be able to sit in. And they would, they would, I would love to do a future podcast. I'm sure there will be some questions that come up from this one. And I'm hoping that uh, they'll be able to come in in the next one. So, um, somehow we're going to have to do the next one live so we don't have any phone calls interrupting our conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe, there we go. Maybe we'll be able to do it down in the next next uh, deck expo. Um, yeah. For, and I would say for any of those contractors out there that have questions for this we've often wondered like should we post more on instagram about the business side um for us it's always a stupid internal battle of we don't want to be we're not like it comes across in my head that maybe we're bragging or whatever but it's like when we can help somebody um that's the ultimate goal and so if anyone out there has questions or anything feel free to follow along dm us give us a phone call um, we can go pretty in depth with any of this stuff. So that's a, that's a fantastic. Uh, Louis, his, Louis, Louis's account is Squid Jig. I'm sure you've seen yep. that. Yep. Yeah. So he and he's extremely knowledgeable. Um, Squid Jig is just his handle on Instagram, just because that's the framing stair jig that he created. And uh, reach out to any of us; we'll gladly follow along. Yeah. And so that's a genius little idea that he came up with. I know that we just placed our order well, a few days ago here, a stocking order. So we're going to have those available um, for purchase in well, Canada or the US, but primarily for Canadian customers through our website uh, in a few days here. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. That has been a, uh, it's, it's such a simple invention for those, for those that don't know, it's a stair gauge and the old stair gauges were pretty thin. So if you had defects on your board, it screwed it up. It's just an ingenious thing that, uh, makes laying out your stairs so easy and it's it's so cheap like 30 or 40 dollars gets you a pair that's going to last you forever they're all stainless and uh it's a it's a pretty cool little tool it is it's just so so simple you like yep. you look at it and you're like why and every deck builder needs one yeah you just look at it and you're like why did they ever make it not like this 
Like, why was it ever? <laughs> totally. What, whoever invented this, why did they not make it longer in the first place? Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, it's pretty pretty mind blowing. Um, what about some other accounts? So, just as a final question to you, because like I said, people should be following you guys to both for quality of work. You guys put out some good content, but also learning. What are some other accounts that you guys follow that you've kind of learned from? Alexander Deckenrail, who we actually recently hired. Poached him, um, yeah. He, yeah, that was awesome. Um, for any of the other deck builders that are sick around your own company, we're hiring. Um, but he's, he was actually pretty, he's very knowledgeable. And so he had a lot of good content. Um, Simcoe Dex, um, I've heard that a lot on this podcast. Yeah, um, yeah, you have. We forgot you, to do our, our what's new in Simcoe today. Damn it. <laughs> well, it's going, maybe, maybe there's a coronavirus up there that... <laughs> <laughs> that we could talk about, but no, his account, his account is awesome. I like the fact that he, um, dives into the business side a little bit. So if you're wondering how to run a business, he does a lot of good stuff on that. Um, infinite decks is always a good one. Yeah. Um, so there's Kona contractors is someone that I talked to on the phone. Some, and also NFDI. I mean, we learn he has a very similar mindset as me as far as the production and all of that goes. And so, yeah. Um, he's got an awesome account to follow. I like that you, uh, you offered up people to reach out to you and contact you and for help and that you're willing to kind of go there. I know a while back when you first started posting that you guys were making this deck manual, I, I saw that and I was like, Oh boy, well, like I want to get my hands on that. But I was shy to ask. I was shy to reach out and be like, Hey, are you planning on sharing that at all? Like, because it's something I've been wanting to do for a while. And it's just, it's so hard to sit down and find the time to do it. And when I saw yeah. you guys doing it, I was like, well, these guys are going to do it right. Like this thing is going to be complete. Yeah. So that's awesome. Well, and one of the things that I really want to do, and I've reached out to some people, um, what I would love to do is set up, get like 10 to 15 deck builders that are in different industries or not different industries, but same deck building industry, but different market. Yep. And have a scheduled meeting. Just It could be via phone call or whatever. Um, and kind of my vision for it is if we could get, let's say 10 deck builders and every single deck builder tracked marketing and leads the same way and close rates the same way. And we all did a similar sales process and all of that. If we could meet monthly or quarterly or yearly, whatever, and just share and compare numbers, I feel like you can go a lot further and, uh, with more people. Yep. And so my goal is to hopefully sometimes set up this meeting that will really be able to bring a lot of value to my company, to everyone else's company. And, um, it'd be, I think it'd be a, you could probably develop some pretty cool tools with that many, uh, brains in the room. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. We should do it. We should kick this off right now. Yeah, I mean, Take this away and let's yeah, go. It would be. Yep, let's get that rocking. So I, thought, I already actually have an agenda started for it. But. Good, good. I Because I think that would be something that'd be easy to do, sit down once a month or like I said, monthly, quarterly, whatever, just on a, whatever, a nine-way or 10-way video conference call or something through any of the yeah. apps on your phone that'll do that. Uh, but I've also also often thought about this whole like annual getaway kind of thing. This like a little uh, similar idea, getting 10 guys that kind of communicate throughout the year that once a year you go somewhere on a bit of like a, a trip slash uh, growth conference kind of thing where you get to do all this stuff in person at the end of the year and just kind of rally and get ready for the next year. And, and maybe that's, maybe that's part of that. Maybe that could be like a, yeah. And if, and if, if that's uh, stretching for some companies, heck that's a deck expo. I mean, everyone goes to that. Exactly. Just yep. 
set aside a day and everyone meet down. We have really simple ways to track all of our leads and ROI. And I'm sure we could collaborate with others. And yeah, it would be, it would be pretty easy and awesome. So. Yep. Amazing. All right. Well, let's not let these ideas die. Let's keep in contact and let's make something happen with that. That would be fantastic. Leif, I want to thank you for your time today. I apologize for the technical difficulties in the middle of that, but, uh, and I apologize for last week on, uh, on me getting my head not right and, and missing our meeting last week. So <laughs> thanks for joining no us. No worries man. at all. You've been Talk to you again to soon. The ultimate all right. Thank podcast. you so much. James. See you later. Deck podcast brought to you by the ultimate deck shop shop with us at www.ultimatedeckshop.com or check us out at all the social networks we can keep up with. Hit us up for any collaboration or sponsorship opportunities. Thanks for listening.